This is part two of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, next item on the wish list is finish the overhaul of the Chateau de Pou. Um, it took three months to build the Chateau de Pou, um, which is <laughs> a bit of comedy. But but yeah, those those shingles were you know hand split and stuff like that. I mean, there's so much done there that explains why it took so long. But it you know probably could have been unfinished. But in the end, it was also our very first one. Right. And in the end, there were several things that you know. Could use improvement. Yeah, we learned a lot from building Willow Bank and from Willow Wonka, and uh, uh, there was a guy named Rob that came by, and he made some improvements to the Chateau de Pou. Um, but there's still some stuff that needs to be done, and the Chateau de Pou could use an overhaul. Uh, next up, uh, Cold Smoker and Spring House. So this would require. A spring. <laughs> so it would require flowing water. Um, but it's a dream list. It, it is a dream list. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's other ways to, to pull this sort of stuff off. Um, uh, but uh, um, the thing is, is when I was on Mount Spokane, we had, uh, I called that property Nine Springs. And we had nine springs on the, so we, we had lots of places. And I had a design that I never implemented to have uh, a cold smoker and spring house. And so I still wish to implement that design. That'd be lovely. Yeah. Oh, an electric automatic gate. <clears throat> so that way when you approach the gate, you uh, sit inside of your car <laughs> and you push this button that's like a garage door button and the gate swings up. I've been to places that have these. Yeah. It's really pretty cool. I understand it costs like $2,500. Mm. Um, you know, but I don't have $2,500 to spend on a gate like that. But I'm wishing for it. Right. We can dream. We can dream. Um, and then the last item that I have on this list, which is an incomplete list, and I bet if I sat here for another half an hour, I could double the size of this list. And this is just for I the lab. I one thing after you do this last thing. Is, is Jocelyn and I move on to the lab. Now, bef- when we first bought this property, like owned it for one whole day, my recollection is that we thought that we would live at base camp for three years, and then we would move up to the lab. And, and and further, I thought that by the end of the first year, we would have four Wafatis done and people living in them. Yeah. And um, comedy happened. Well, oh, the comedy. Oh, so much comedy. And I think we didn't realize how long it would take to peel logs for Wafatis. I think that was not factored in there. The, the True. Peeling the logs is time consuming. And and with Al- Allerton Abbey was built entirely out of standing dead. 
and so by the time you get to them, the 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 bark is really fused onto that wood, Ooh, and yeah. so peeling it is some serious work. It was serious work. And then um, Cooper Cabin was built with almost entirely green wood, mm. um, but it was harvested uh, in early summer. So again, the bark is pretty well fused onto that wood. Mm. So the the point to get it is early spring. Early spring, the bark pretty much falls off. Yeah. But but it's got all that sweet cambium layer, which just feeds mold. Unless you and it's like there's it there's ways to deal with that. Yeah. Maybe. So yeah. the thing is, is that we're here. It is more than four years later. We are not living on the lab, nor does it look like we're about to head up there anytime soon. And it's, I just am going to make a quick remark that I'm, I'm so surprised at how many people who have lived off grid up at the lab have been critical of us living in the double wide at base camp, you know, like they've just thought, oh, well, they can't live off grid or they're too soft (laughs) or so, you know, I don't know what it is. It's like, well, yeah, but who's paying for it so you can live up there? You know, there's well, like no. Okay, yeah, you're right. The, so people, the people that were critical of they us. Were, yeah. The I'm thinking of a couple. Okay. Um. So this 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 couple. Mm-hmm. They were critical, and and yet we were paying them to it, live up there, and and they complained about us being soft while at the same time. They wanted to be paid more, <laughs> yeah. and and so it's odd. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a bit odd. But the, but the, I just wanted to mention that because we do want to live up on the lab. Um, that's our ultimate goal. So and and I think a lot of people don't know that or don't don't realize. See, I thought that. the first year we would build four wafatis, mm-hmm. and then the next year we would build four more. Mm-hmm. And then the next year after that, we would build the house where we would conduct the experiment of 20 people living un- under one roof without stabbing each other. Right. And so then that would be the structure that we would m- move into. Right. Um, but here we've got one Wafati that is 99% complete. In fact, uh, the initial walls had to be removed because the wind just blew through. Um, and then... Uh, uh, Jesse Grimes built the lower wall and he did a good job and it's solid it, it, the wind does not blow through there but the upper wall uh, was put in and apparently you know wind and mice uh, have, a, have a freeway uh, okay. on that one and so uh, and then uh, we ended up pulling that wall entirely out so it's on its third wall and now we're putting that. in the third wall on the uphill side. <laughs> Darn it. Um, and, and then that wall is now, so the wall itself is now, I believe, like 98% complete. Well, no, I'm going to back up. I'm going to say it is 90% complete because it needs to be cobbed. It's straw bale. And um, the door still needs to be mounted in it. But... Um, but boy, is all the timber on that wall been triple shored up? Right. You know, and, and yeah, all it's of a powerhouse of a wall. Yeah. Well, the only other thing I thought of that was worth mentioning that was on our fantasy list from before is um, on the corner 
of the road that turns down to Allerton Abbey and to the teepee, we thought of fencing in a community garden there in that um, uh, community veggie garden. This was way before Ant Village um, became a thing. We had thought um, for the people, because there were people living in the teepee and in Allerton Abbey and in Cooper Cabin, and we just thought, well, if there's a community vegetable garden with a really good deer fence right in this one spot, that could be a good place to grow things. So, you know, I, I think needs and and where people are living has changed quite a bit up on the lab so that that community garden vision is, is not the same as it once was. I just want to throw out a quick idea. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the idea we want to plant all those gardens and stuff at Allerton Abbey is right. to be able to feed future peasant PDCs. Yes. Um, but here's my quick idea, and I should talk to you about this before saying it into a podcast, but I'm just going to risk it. And that is that, okay, people are listening to this right now, right? And and these are our, Hopefully. These are our pod people. There's thousands <laughs> of people that are listening to the pod people. Right. And in that very first year that we were out here, we had hundreds of pod people here. Yes. Where they had listened to all the podcasts. Yeah. And um, now during the Peasant PDC... There will be, um, I'm hoping, like 40 students for the Peasant PDC. And maybe maybe some of them will be pod people. Um, but what I'm thinking is there's a lot of people that came out for a week or two when we were first here. And I kind of felt like there's really nothing to see, mm-hmm. but there's so much work to be done. And they did help us. So many of these yes. people poured out of the woodwork and helped us awesome get, people. get a bump in the right direction. And they worked so hard. And there was so much they did. And we had so many funny stories. And and a lot of those went into podcasts. But what if uh, we kind of said during the Peasant PDC, people, uh, pod people could come out and tent it and if they wanted to for whatever length of time that they wanted and um, um, be part of the boot camp or, you know, because each day for the uh, peasant PDC is uh, half a day of classroom and half a day of Mm hands-on. And the hands-on is all Allerton Abbey. Well, it's not going to be all Allerton Abbey, but mostly Allerton Abbey stuff, uh, you know, that's about getting it up to 100%, including gardens. And maybe that'd be a great time to get together with pod people. Maybe pod people would like to come out and hang out during that time. And they, you know, the people, the people that are there for the peasant PDC have paid money to be there for the classroom. But the but the pod people could be there for. Uh, they would just not be there for the classroom part. It'd be like they're kind of sort of in the. Um, in the boot camp of sorts, but most of the people that came out that were pod people to help out, most of them came here with a lot of skill and a lot of experience, yeah. and and they were not, you know, they were way beyond being a boot. Yeah. And and uh, I don't know, I maybe they'd be into that. I, I'm not sure. It's a thought. There's there's parts of that. Yeah, we could talk about offline, and if we do that, we'll create a thread in the Wheaton Labs forum and. You know, there could be a potluck night. There could be... We used to schedule super weeks that were times when people could come out together if they wanted to. 
you know. Right. Um, it could be something like a super week, but tacked on to the peasant PDC is what I was thinking. So. Right. Even the super weeks, we would have like six people show up simultaneously. I think that was our. Was that the first year, or was it the second year that we did super weeks? I can't remember. I think okay. we did them two years in a row, but it mm-hmm. it varies. Um, so uh, there are opportunities there. Yeah. Anyway, it's a possibility. Yeah. It's a possibility. And um, uh, so you would not... Well, anyway. And, and I I think that the the other thing is, is that um, I would think... I would like to hope that a lot of uh, pod people would be very interested in attending our PDC and or ATC. And I don't know if we mentioned the ATC. Is the appropriate technology right. course definitely that. on this year. We're still haggling over the details of what all is going to be built during the ATC <laughs> and what exactly will be taught, but it's definitely going on. And this year, the instructor is Chris McClellan, um, and uh, and he says exactly all the same things that Tim Barker has said, but it kind of seems like all of his designs are different because he has different strengths. He has different things that he's into. Yeah. Um, so uh, and, and we're also talking about having some possible guest instructors for the ATC, which we didn't do before. People that that have some super skills in that space, uh, and, and different angles that want to come out and be part of what we're doing. Um, so yay, cool. Yeah. So the dates for that are July 9th through 20th. The key is is that there were people that listened to all the podcasts and went to the 2012 event, and they felt like it was too dumb. It was too low level. It was too basic and simple. And and so. This year's PDC is definitely being designed for, like, four people that have listened to, if not all the podcasts, most of the podcasts. So it's going to be, I think, uh, something with a little bit more grit and substance. Uh, and and um, uh, not like others. So we're, the, part of the upside of having two different PDCs is one is, like, the peasant PDC is going to be taught at a standard PDC level, assuming that no one's read a book, assuming that no one's, this is their first experience with permaculture. This is going to be their first experience with a lot of things. And then the homesteaders PDC is going to be taken up a notch even from last year. And, nice. and it's like um, uh, we're going to really get into some... It's going to be, and you know, let's look into the microscopes again, and let's look at those soil samples again, and let's see if we can spot the pathogens, and let's see, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whether we do a super week type thing or not, or whether someone's interested in a workshop or not, I think what people enjoy the most is meeting and hanging out with like-minded people. I just... True. uh, People just really groove on that because if you think about trying to talk to your neighbor about, (laughs) you know, what do you do with your poop? (laughs) You know, um, do you pee on your garden? You know, imagine trying to talk... Most people talk to their neighbors about that kind of stuff. It doesn't go over very well. (laughs) But, you know, out here, we talk about it at lunch, you know? (laughs) Did did you pee outside today? How do you pee outside? All right, let's see if we can wrap this up here uh, pretty quickly. Great. Fantasies for base camp. So that was the end of just the the lab. And uh, you know what? I don't think that's even the end. I think that's half. Yeah, I know we have lots more on the list. yeah, Yeah, there's there's lots more that that I haven't mentioned now. And and so um, this is just the list that I threw together real quick. 
uh, fantasies for base camp. So I'd like to end up to the point where we've got six or more people living year-round at base camp. And there's, um, in fact, somebody contacted me and they said that they wanted to um, start a tiny house village um, up on the high part. One of the plateaus above the Fisher-Price house. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, there wasn't a good road. And um, I, at the, at the time, we were, I had paid for a bulldozer, and the bulldozer had not yet shown up. And as it turns out, uh, I paid the, for the bulldozer, and the bulldozer never showed up. Here it is. It's years later now. We still haven't seen that bulldozer. So um, uh, the people went and got somebody to make a quote for, like, putting in this road. And and in the end, it's like, okay, you know, we're going to put the road in. And they're like, when? We want the road now. We want the road now. Now. So we, I paid for an excavator, and I paid Evan to drive the excavator. And um, the volcano road was put in. And, and I think for, for Evan's first ever road, I think he did a great job. He did a great and, job. And it's a lot of rock. This property is oh. like one giant rock. And we found out that some rock is harder than other rocks. So most of the road uh, went in very slowly because the rock would break. And yep. then we found rock near the top of the volcano that... That was like I am not going to break. Yeah. <laughs> it's much harder rock. Yeah. And um, so we went around. We found a way to go around that. I think I one. I'm not sure I ever shared exactly how, but I think I was quite the genius at the solution <laughs> for how we did that. Uh. So there's a road up there now. It's a good road. It's a it's a really good road. And I do think that there might be a day where I'll I'll go in with um, an excavator and polish the road a little bit more but but it's you could two-wheel drive no problem it's very bumpy it's a very rocky rocky road it's amazing how rocky it is but yeah it's a great road and so that would make it a lot easier to build um tiny houses up on that plateau yeah your materials up there yeah um uh, yeah, so we've we've had somebody else kind of considering building a tiny house up there, and well, I think most people assume. I'm just going to interject that shallow roots or deep roots. We have threads about what those are, and we talk about the boot camp being a boots to roots program. Uh, the shallow roots and deep roots. Most people assume those acreages are up on the lab, but you could have an acre here. At base camp. For less, for cheaper. And and base camp is on grid. We Paul described our well and how it gets taxed out for events, but really for the most part it's it's wonderful water and plenty of water for everything we need when we don't have fifty people here. Yeah. And and um and the utilities are here, there's Wi Fi here, you know, so it's um for people who don't want to be off-grid, uh, there's an option to be here. True. That's true. And um, and I, there was some talk. We, we talked about this a little bit uh, a few weeks ago in that uh, people have said, I want to do a commuter job to Missoula. And I'm kind of thinking, like, that's not exactly our values. And, um, and, 
and it's like I will allow it if you live at base camp, but I'll give you the stink eye because that's not our values. We don't, you know, um, that's not how we want to roll. Well, I was just talking with someone the other day who hates the idea of being part of the whole gasoline system so much that this person wanted to start growing their own sugar beets to make their own ethanol and fuel their own little scooter moped thingy because they don't want to be a part of all these systems that we know are broken um so we want to do better than that yeah 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 as well so um and i kind of feel like in time base camp will be a place where like like maybe it'll be five to ten to fifteen years in the future depending on so many different factors Josiah was telling me the other day that there's like somebody who's probably willing to give me twenty million dollars, as uh, as an investment. So it'll be like a loan. But I kind of feel like, holy fuck, I don't know if I could. um, That's too big of a bite for me. Um, But anyway, uh, like Willie Smith's has a billionaire guy funding all of his work. Right. And um, which is awesome. I don't know. I I I I would love to see things move forward, but I think the moment. Yeah. Anyway. Sidebar. Uh, sidebar. Sidebar. This. <clears throat> but okay. I I I do believe that someday base camp will become a demonstration site for permaculture. I mean, well, there's like a thousand different properties out there where people utter those exact words. Someday my place will be a demonstration site for permaculture. And so I kind of feel like, okay, well, we'll be one of those thousand, you know, farms that are a demonstration site for permaculture. Uh, this is what's in my head. And then the lab will me- remain private. And, and I, I even kind of think like, you know, to go through the first gate, I, I kind of feel like there should be this this phrase password kind of combination. I say Sep, you say Holzer <laughs> lives in Austria. Austria, <laughs> and he calls his place the Holzerhof. And so it's like now you get in, you know, or something it like that. It used to be the Kramerhof. Yeah, and, and but it's like you know. Uh, and we talked about this a few podcasts back where somebody went up there, the puddle people went up there and they lost their shit, you know and and it's like, okay, you know and, and, I, and I always use this example I'm sure your mom never listens to our podcast so it's safe as to say, I can't help but think that when we really get things going awesome up on the lab that that if your mom comes to base camp and looks that there's some things that she'll think are cool and some things that she kind of thinks like, well, I wouldn't do that. And that's fine. But we take her up to the lab and and she'll be, like, upset. There'll be things that she'll see that she'll be, like, thinking, like, that is just not acceptable. You know? Possible. Depending on how well we do it. <laughs> well, and that's the yeah. thing, too, is it's kind of like the puddle people uh, were looking at land that I rented out as raw land forest here's a forest right and they were looking at it and they were seeing like all sorts like somebody was building something yeah and they're like oh these these conditions are unacceptable you know all that kinds of uh, stuff and they 
lost their shit and they made things bad for people. The right. key is is that it's like they didn't bother to learn what the story is. Right. You know, they just went by you know what they saw, and it's like the person that may have been pointing it out to them, they probably didn't know all that much. Right. And so then it's like shit happened, and and it's like it was it was a fucking mess, mm-hmm. drama, you know, and it's like so in order to to curtail drama, I think. It would be wise to show your mom around down here at base camp, but don't take her up to the lab, you know, and because who knows what kind of drama your mom might jump to weird, twisted conclusions about, you know, because she wasn't given a proper tour or whatever. But it's a place where we can experiment and do stuff. And not only that, but it's possible that that there could be a guy named Bob up there Mm -hmm. with one O. Bob with one O. And 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 Bob's up there and he's doing an experiment on his plot and um, it's his own business. Mm-hmm. And then your mom sees it and then who knows what your mom might do. Will your mom call the authorities? Right. And and you know, my mom is a good example of someone who has no interest in permaculture, who is really pretty focused on appearances and doing things what she thinks are the right way and she's an older generation who is not that much about innovation and definitely has never been interested in living off grid or homesteading at all yeah so so yeah and and i think most americans are probably more like my mom than like um some of our pod people or most of our pod people True, and so then, and then I think, and we've even had some people that were permaculture people mm-hmm. that came through and felt like everything that we were doing here was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and that because they would do it a different way, which would be right by their standards, yeah, and they haven't taken a moment to even try to understand why we're doing it a different way, like uh, set up a coop and run and get those chickens already. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and we've been focusing on building community and building community habitat. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Moving on with the list. So this property, I mean, I do think I do think kind of the mission is, is to have something of a permaculture Disneyland. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this property would be to people that are at eco-level uh, zero to two, maybe three, would find this property interesting. But people at eco-level zero, I don't want them going on to the lab. But... For people that are at eco-level three to six, oh, yeah, let's go up to the lab. That's where the cool stuff is, you know. So, um, all right. Um, Six-plus year-round residents at base camp. Yeah. Um, Oh, bring the electric tractor online. So it currently does function. Just nobody wants to drive it. Nobody wants to use it for anything other than possibly being a portable battery. And um, because an electric tractor is awesome because it has this low center of gravity when you mount the batteries low. And what we have, the person that we bought it from didn't tell us this, and the batteries are mounted high, which makes it scary as fuck. (laughs) Dang. And and so no one wants to to drive it. And then the next thing is is that a tractor is supposed to be waterproof, you know, because not only do you typically leave them parked outside, 
Um, uh, but on top of that, you're going to be plowing snow with it, which right. where it's actively raining or sleeting or snowing, yeah. and uh, or you've got work to be done and it's raining outside. And it's like, this thing is not weatherproof. You can only take it outside when it's there's no risk of any rain whatsoever. Yeah, and both our properties, Base Camp and the Lab, are very hilly, uneven properties. It's not yeah. like acres and acres of, of grain in Iowa that are flat. <laughs> Where, you know, so to have those batteries up high like that and try and drive that thing on hilly property, I, mm, yeah, gotcha. Another porta cabin. So I think that the Love Shack has been a huge hit, and people love to stay in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the Red Cabin. And the Red Cabin. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of get the feeling that people, well, Ernie and Erica like the Red Cabin better, I think, but that's because I think. Ernie's on crutches, and it's closer to things. It's closer to everything, um, but I think most people are drawn to the Love Shack for a variety of reasons. And the Love Shack is smaller than the Red Cabin. It's tiny. It's so it's cozier. It's tinier, but it's also unpainted, which is you know we tried to make things with large eaves, and so we don't have to paint it. And I think people kind of like that aesthetic. Yeah. I, yeah, and so having more cabins at base camp, whether they're a porta cabin on skids like the Love Shack and the Red Cabin, we found out which was left here as a tack shed. We found out that's actually on skids. Yeah. Um, which is cool uh, because we like the skiddable structures. Another skiddable cabin would be awesome. We just, we run out of, when we do events, we run out of bunks so quickly. Especially if we're doing an event where we have six instructors or, you know, I don't know. It, we just run out of beds really quick. So more cabins would be lovely. And getting year-round residents here, I mean, we really, it would be lovely to let someone either rent or use for some kind of trade one of the cabins at base camp um, to get those year-round residents here. And we just, you know, haven't had somebody... We've, we've done that some in the past. People who have been working here have, have used cabins for six months or a year. Um, but, but, yeah, it would be nice. I, I like the idea of having like a couple more porta cabins here at base camp that um, are built to our requirements for the lab, mm. and then depending on the needs of an event, then we can you know because they're on skids, mm-hmm. we could just move them up to the lab and plop them down, and then we're all set, and we can you know, or maybe um, our long term stuff will change and then we can move it the the porta cabin that we have now the love shack um it's been moved i think three times yeah i think it's i think it's had four different homes um and of course the one it's at now has been its longest uh but it was originally going to go up onto one of the plateaus above the fisher price house to be closer to the fisher price house Right. And um, the, the tractor couldn't get it up there. That was before the road was built. Right, before Volcano Road, which is going to be a much easier road to do that kind of thing on. All right. The next thing is is that um, the Fisher-Price house is um, 
it's it's obvious that boy did they ever blast a shelf in the rock in order to put the Fisher Price house here, and yeah. they did lay down cement. And then when you look under the house, you can see the axles under the house, thus proving this is indeed a double wide. Yes. Um and. Uh, but this is also the second double wide in this spot. So then um, the stuff outside is kind of designed for the double wide that used to be here that isn't here anymore. So we kind of have this picnic table sitting outside in this weird spot. Right, with cement pads that don't make sense and decks that don't make sense. Well, the cement pads were for the wheels. <laughs> right, they don't make sense now to have cement pads yeah. there. Yeah. So um, I just kind of feel like uh, the the old deck needs to be removed, and we need a new deck. And so this is a wish list of stuff, and I don't think that's a particularly special permaculture-y kind of thing, but it's like what we have right now is a style that you could call but ugly. And <laughs> and I uh, to me, it it, uh, it doesn't exactly add to my soul when we're out there. Uh-huh. Um, and I know, you know, a deck is like not that expensive and they go up pretty fast. Um, but it's expensive enough and slow enough that um, it's got a price tag on it that I haven't been willing to spend yet. I've been focused more on like when we've got money to spend, we spend it on permaculture projects. Um, oh, Okay, so currently there's a building that one, like when we arrived here, the whole building would be called a garage. Right. But it's kind of obvious that they divided the building into two pieces. Um, so it, it looks like what was originally done is that it was a garage where you could pull a car in a long ways. And maybe you would park your boat at one end and your car at the other end. Right. And uh, but if somebody, but before we got here, they divided it, and one third of the building continued to be a garage for like one car, and the other end of the building was set up to like be for putting up your canning. Yeah, they said there was some kind of canning operation. So this the second half of the bu- or the two thirds of the building they insulated. Um, and they even put an air con- a little air conditioner in there, and uh, and oh, they built yeah. all these shelves and stuff. So it was this, you know, it's insulated. It's not finished. I mean, it has unfinished drywall in places. It has exposed insulation in other places. But you know, the walls and the ceiling are insulated. There's a heater. A propane heater and an air conditioner, so you can be out there. I want to say the the walls and the ceiling have insulation, right? But the whole structure is still unfinished. Yeah. And so, and I think when we got there, it was all these fluorescent lights and really, but and it was like day three, all the fluorescent lights came out. Right. And um, we still don't have adequate proper lighting in there, but we keep talking about we're going to put a ceiling in there someday. Yeah. I wonder if I've got that on the list. Put a ceiling. It's on the other we call list. It the, we call it the library now. Well, that it, one section, the two-thirds section that used to be where they would store their canning. Yeah. Um, that's we call that the library, and um, and I think it looks now it looks ten times better than when we arrived. Probably mostly because we took out the fluorescent lights. <laughs> well, and you did a lot to add a lot more natural light in there. You put, you had bigger windows put in, and there was right. this like 
interior wall that divided an interior space from kind of the perimeter and gives this pathway it's like an l-shaped interior wall and you had part of that cut out so that it wasn't blocking the light from the window from the bigger window Uh, yeah we had two bigger windows put in and we had both doors replaced with doors that had glass yeah so there's a lot more natural light um and then there's even one of those light things in the ceiling that can uh whatever those are called i've forgotten what they're called yeah. Like a skylight, but not a skylight. But it's a can one. Yeah, it's a cheap skylight. Um, But, yeah, so it still has a sign over one door called the Barony of Bacon because that was where you and I had our desks and our office. Um, because the three bedrooms in the house, we wanted two of the bedrooms for guests um, and the other bedroom for us. And we were trying to have office space out there, but with the accounting that I do, I learned early on I could not do accounting for my clients and discuss their finances in a community office because there were other desks there, there were tools there, there were backup pantry items, there were seeds there. So people would come in and out to talk to Paul about things or Paul would get on the phone and he's loud (laughs) and um so i quickly set up some office space in the master bedroom so that i could have privacy and our master bedroom is private people don't bother us in there generally generally i had to set up in there um to do the accounting work i did and you were still trying to be available and be working out there we were calling at the office and then it became clear that you needed private space too to do some of your work and especially when you were recording and and doing other things so we repurposed one of the bedrooms in the house from being the vip bedroom to being your office and now there's still desks out there and we are amassing a library of thrift store books and (laughs) we're now calling it the library right now, uh, the, the, so the big thing is, is that this is this was a garage, yeah. And I want to focus on the one third, yeah, that is still a garage. It's just barely big enough to hold a car, right? And that is definitely uninsulated, yes. And I want to, uh, and right now we store our firewood in there. We do our recycling in there and stuff like that. And what I want to do is make it into um, uh, gapper habitat. Yeah. And and so I kind of I want to take out the shelves that are in there because those were quickly and poorly built. Um, and and take those shelves out. And we've got a couple of rolly shelves in there now that are working really well. I want to take out the garage door and replace it with a. Uh, something that resembles a greenhouse, so a solarium kind of a thing. And then a regular door right there. And there are currently no windows in the structure, so add two windows. Um, and then it, you know, so we'll have some rolly shelves for, cer- for certain things. And I, I think one of the great things, like, let's design the rolly shelves in such a way, and we've already been working over these designs with Fred, so that each shelf will exactly hold 
a twin mattress. <laughs> yes. And so basically, it's like, okay, sometimes a rolly shelf will hold several mattresses and bedding and pillows and, and you know, who knows what else, materials for people staying there. And other times, a rolly shelf will hold uh, firewood. or who knows what else you know and um, so multi-purpose kind of stuff but I I like the idea that uh, two rolly shelves could be in there and uh, sometimes they're holding uh, firewood or who knows what and and sometimes they're bunks I I think that's a that's a great plan there's a lot of times we need the extra space when you're talking gappers you mean gappers or boots or um other volunteers or workshop participants or woofers. Sure, whatever. sure, yeah. sure. The whole list of, yeah. of people that just need a bunk. Yeah. And it's wintertime, yeah. you know? And that's another thing, too, is we've been talking about doing some really fascinating courses here in the wintertime. So we would need more winter bunks. Yeah. But I'm thinking, like, okay, then the space is insulated. We have a rocket mass heater in there. And um, it could be a multi-purpose place. And uh, uh, but I would think it would also the other thing it would add is that whole thing about less and more, and basically we need more places where people could kind of hang out, and and visit, um, and so and it does seem like that spot is a natural magnet. We had a lot of people gathering in the garage. Yeah. For cooking and all kinds of stuff. And so it's like, let's take that up a notch. Well, especially when the library part of the building was being used as office space or when it was full, we had a table out in the garage and people would use that table in the garage to be able to do their things with the Wi-Fi or to play games or whatever. And it's really hard to have an uninsulated space both in the heat of the summer and the cold of the winter. It's just hard. Yeah. It'd be nice to have more space. All right. Finish the berm shed. So the berm shed, which is working out really, really well, still is not 100% done. It's it's kind of like, I'm going to say, 95% done. And um, through all of the little things that have happened over the years with the berm shed, then um, there's a couple of bits where the billboard material that's on top of it has ripped. And so we need to pull back the dirt, put down new billboard material, and then put the dirt back on. And then at no point in time did all of the dirt get put onto the top that needs to go onto the top. And so then we need to finish putting the dirt onto the top. Right. And then once you have the dirt up there, you need to seed it and plant it with stuff to help hold the dirt up there. I mean, there were were kids uh, this summer who were just sliding on the berm, and I think they were helping drag dirt off the outside of the berm shed. Right. And the turkeys do that all the time, too. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, the next thing is is that um, uh, we built the berm shed because we had stuff to put in the berm shed. And so we built 12 cells. And now it's full. <laughs> and we need eight more berm shed cells. And like, like I mentioned earlier, let's build them in a much higher quality. Let's have it, like we'll even hang a sign on the existing berm shed saying, don't build it like this one. Go down there and look <laughs> at that one. Like that one. Yeah. Because uh. that's the other thing is we keep discovering that when people do build things, that they build it exactly like what we have. Uh. And there are some of these that have been built where it's like, well, we learned a lot. Like, don't do it that way. Right. You know, and right. it's like, but we'll leave it, you know, because it's going to serve its function until it doesn't. You know, but, but anyway, so lots of lessons learned and yeah. let's build it a higher quality. 
lots more berms in hugel culture. And for base camp, we can get some sandy material from the bottom of Arrakis. And I like the idea that the bottom of Arrakis can drop another foot and a half. Um, that makes the berms along the edge seem like they just went up a foot and a half. <laughs> yeah. And that works for me. Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to have to get a lot of soil from the lab, which has, where at the lab, we have dug down in some spots 40 feet deep and still haven't found the bedrock. And so, but that's what makes it so everything grows there so great. And a lot of Montana, a lot of western Montana, the Rocky Mountains, it's called the Rocky Mountains for a reason because it's made of rock. Kind of like base camp <laughs> is like one giant rock. Yeah. But the lab is a magical place where we have amazing deep soils. So um, it's like, well, let's go up there and get some soil and bring it down to base camp. We're going to build um, uh, lots of berms and hugel culture and stuff. There's just tons more, like right, like uh, 20 times more than what we have now. Right. I, th- I think whoever used to live here, I mean, they had a tack shed. There's been horses here. And then um, I don't know if there was a house here before the double wide that had a wood stove or something. But they've cleared a lot of trees off the property and the nice thing about having the berms and the hugel culture is it's it's like instant privacy screens for more of that less and more you know you want more uh, ways to you know have a private spot you know for peeing outside or a private spot just to get away from because there's 50 people at a workshop and you want a little privacy you want a little less people and more privacy or yeah um and and it helps in so many ways um and it gives a place to grow things and so so we we have not had a lot of private spaces because there's not as much growing at base camp as there is on the lab you know plants can and trees and shrubs can create privacy screens and we haven't had as much of that and so the berms are instant that and we though we do have still quite a bit of wood and logs and branches and things that here at base camp that could go into those hugel cultures so yeah oh no there's Lots of material for that. All the gardening, all the you know, all the things, yeah. all the things. Plus the the idea of of, uh, of it being a demonstration someday in the future of of all of all the things. Yeah, we've talked about the one spot, this south facing area, kind of near the Love Shack. How that'd be lovely to do a sun scoop um, food forest demo. Yes. There. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of sun in that spot. Yeah. Okay, uh, next item, uh, living fence along the perimeter. And so mulch has been laid. We talked about that. Most of the mulch has been laid for most of this living fence. Um, And so that soil is getting richer every month. Uh, But we still haven't put the seeds in the ground. And so that needs needs, needs to happen. Um, Finish the rocket mass heater in the Fisher-Price house. How many times have you asked me for that? (laughs) I'll bet it's been 25. Has it been that many? I thought I only brought it up again recently and had really let it go for like three years. Oh, okay. Right. I thought I had let it go for a couple years. Well, mention it. I know I wanted to be done, and the the arrangement that we have is that basically we need that piece of that final piece of granite to go on the top. 
And the people that gave us the granite at a special discount, and they asked that in return, they receive a shippable core. Yeah. Seven people have started to build the shippable core. And what they've done is that they've taken my materials and cut them up into smaller materials and then left them there. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> and so I'm I'm losing materials and not gaining And I'm not a gaining <laughs> a shippable core yeah. to take to this place to get the final piece of granite to finish the rocket mass heater in the house. So um I yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm even I this is one thing where I am getting tired of explaining the shippable core for this person um, to be able to get the granite. And who knows, by the time we finally get the shippable core done, maybe that granite business won't be there anymore Uh and they won't have any knowledge of this and they won't have the same kind, they won't have matching granite anymore. You know, who knows what's going to happen and it's like, oh, fuck a duck. Uh, And a good a good little uh, little segue real quick is the whole concept of if people would just do what they said they were going to do all we would be seven times further along than we are now so all the stuff we have now there'd be seven times more stuff true so um, it's been nutty it's been just I I've worked in businesses and I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, like, there are, there are people that you hire that end up not doing the thing that they say they're going to do. But that's the exception, not the rule. So, um, and, and of course, every time we say this, we've got to also counter with, and there have been a lot of people that have come through and they've done everything that they said they were going to do. They, they are 100%. And, um, and it's like, I, I don't know, is this... Well, part of it is is that um, we're doing everything on the cheap, and I guess what can you expect if you do it on the cheap? We're we're doing a lot on the cheap, and we've allowed a lot of people to try it when they've been new at it because we've had no one else to try it. So we've gone, okay, sure, give it a shot. And when you're new at something, you don't you don't you haven't honed your skills to do it well. Right. So. Or you might decide, oh, I don't want to do that, or I'm not good at doing that, or whatever. So, so for example, to keep moving along, um, the next thing on here was a siege ladder. And someone start, recently started one, but never finished it. And I think because, it, you know, just, I, I didn't hear why they didn't finish it, but I have a feeling it's because they never built one before, and it probably turned out to be more difficult or something. Then, I think that's the third person that has tried to build one of those. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, we we call these siege ladders. We'd like some ladders or scaffolding um, to use on these huge berms around the Fisher-Price house. Well, and so what I have here on the wish list is a siege ladder system on the big berms. Yes. And, and so what's in my head... Okay. So I kind of feel like it's one of those things where first you build a ladder... And then you build a second ladder that's ten times better than the first one because you learned a lot on the first one. Yeah. And et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of feel like, you know, what I have in mind is, we, you know, we found that we've got these big logs that were part of a different project, and and comedy happened, and we had the logs here, and I said, put them over here. It's going to be part of the siege ladder system that I have in my brain. And I want to take these big fat logs and either lean them in onto the berm or maybe 
the top part is going to be um, sticking out some, and so I'm going to put something underneath it. And um, I want to make, like like you said, scaffolding. Yeah. I want to have a collection of a network to make it easy to go up onto the berm and be able to walk around. Uh, not only to futz with the plants that are up there, but also um, uh, fellas and maybe some bold women will, uh, let's say, naturally fertilize. I see. Yeah. yeah. We were talking. You're being subtle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to go up and pee on yeah. uh, some of the stuff. Yeah. And and uh, uh, but but yeah, I think that you know we need to be able to get up there and um, I mean, there's going to be some plants that are going to grow and it's like uh, no, we don't want any more snowberry in this location. Right. Right. We have <laughs> and, lots. Yeah. Of and so it's like we're gonna so we're gonna take the snowberry out and give uh, the rhubarb a chance here. Um, well, stuff like that. And and as much as I've enjoyed increasing my agility by climbing the sides of hugel cultures, kind of like you would rock climb somewhere, uh-huh. you know, um, it it can tend to de- degrade the sides and cause some erosion on the sides because I'm a little bit bigger than a wild turkey. <laughs> oh, geez, the turkeys are like you know trying to make the the berms be flat they again. They are, and um, but I feel bad, you know, when I'm climbing up the sides of them. Like, oh, there's a kale, there's kale and lamb's quarters right up there that's just beautiful i have to go get it and so i'm rock climbing the side of it to get it and um yeah having what we call siege ladders or some kind of system to get at it would be better so we're not degrading and when we say siege ladder we're kind of thinking that the first ladder that exists would probably need to be something that we can move around which siege ladders are famous for being far too heavy yeah and it's like, you know, you get to the castle wall, and it's going to take ten guys to carry the ladder. And it's going to take all ten of them to get the ladder to go up. And, Whoa. I mean, they're so crazy heavy. But eventually, I'd like to get to the point where all, you know, several ladders or steps or whatever are all permanently located. Right. So we don't have to worry about moving them around, but we have enough of a system that we can get to what we want to reach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, um, amazing gardens and stuff at the Caldera. Well, and I, you know, I don't think I put it in the list, amazing gardens and stuff at the house. You know, we're always working <laughs> on that. Trying to work on that. And that's so zone one. But up at the Caldera, it would be cool to have something up there. I mean, that was kind of a thing. That last little 150 feet is where we got to that rock. And suddenly... Evan was stopped, and he's like, yeah. this is as far as the road will go, because there's no other way. There's this, this, you know, the rock is so hard, I can't, I can't chip at it, you know, it won't break. Um, with the excavator, 14-ton excavator couldn't break this rock. And, um, and it's like, so this is the, this is the end of the road, and it's just 150 feet away from the caldera. It's not really a caldera. That's just what we call it. The top of the oh, volcano. The top of the volcano, yeah, which yeah. is not really a volcano. Right. It totally is. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, my message to him at that time is like, you know, I just have this feeling that if we finish this road to the top, then somebody amazing is going to do something amazing up there. 
I don't know. I don't even know what. It'll be something cool. And um, but it's like the the thing that's preventing it is this road. If if they have a way to be able to get materials up there, including soil, there will be something amazing there someday. And I don't, you know, but it's like it needs this road. So I came up with a solution. And um, and I and and uh, I, I believe Evan's words were that would take two weeks. I said it would take an hour and a half. And so Evan tried it, and guess how long it took? I can't remember. It took an hour and a half, <laughs> and it was done. Yay! Yay! Yeah, brilliant. So we. And so if people want to come here for a tour, I'll take you up there and I'll show you what I told them and what we what 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 happened, what ended up happening. We have a porch swing up in the caldera. There's pictures of it, and there's gorgeous um, spring flowers up there. The arrowleaf balsam root blooms uh, copiously up at the caldera. Um, so it's a lovely, lovely spot with wonderful views. Um, and I, I would love to just um, build a little gazebo at the very least to hang the porch swing from instead of having it on its little kind of not as secure stand. Right. So, and and, um, and even have like a some kind of somewhat weatherproof chest, so like you could store a little blanket in there for. You know, when you're sitting up there on the porch swing and it gets a little chilly, but you want to finish watching the rest of the sunset. You need a way to have a fire up there yeah. and and snacks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but people have tended up there. There's a couple of oh, little yeah. tent spots up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. The next item on the list is, uh, in fact, the, the next two items. The, so the next item is three more paddocks, and then the next item after that is six more paddocks <laughs> so eventually this whole property um, we, we've set it up so that uh, Volcano Road would act as an alleyway between paddocks and and it's been designed so that way paddocks would be put in all around um, uh, Volcano Road so that way you could do something where you go paddock to paddock to paddock to paddock all the way up and then when you get to the top you could bring the animals back down on Volcano Road and start over at the first paddock again. So I I think we're all set, but we need those paddocks. And um, we've decided to not do electric fence. Um, And so it's going to take time to build. Yeah, so we usually say base camp is around 20 acres. And um, when the land was purchased, they sort of had barbed wire around the perimeter. Yeah. And in any places where people or animals might be near the barbed wire, we down here at the lower part where most activity happens, we got rid of the barbed wire. So in a lot of places, it's still some places, but it's it's not a decent fence to keep a dog in. It's not a decent fence. It's not a humane fence for livestock, really. Yeah. So um, we'd much rather have... So, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, even when people have come here with dogs, we said, well, look, you know, we're, we don't have fencing. Yeah, and uh, Josiah brought a puppy, and uh, now the puppy's gone. 
Yeah. And um, uh, we've seen cougar here, and it's like, so it would be good to have a fence that keeps cougar out. Hell, let's have a fence. I thought you didn't want to call them cougars. Oh, right. Damn it. <laughs> I can't call them cougars anymore because that means something else. Mountain lion. I and, can't uh, believe you called them uh, cougars. Yeah. No. Well, it would keep the cougars out, too. Except the cougars would probably come right in the front off the road. You know? <clears throat> anyway. All right. So the, the, the important thing is is that it would be good to have a, a, a living fence that would go around the perimeter. Uh, and and not only that, but but paddocks. Uh, the perimeter would be good to have to keep the mountain lions out and any coyotes uh, and that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, you know, to have paddocks to be able to move animals from paddock to paddock um, um, is going to be improve our growies dramatically and and turn this place into more of a permaculture paradise. Um, so, but we need to have the paddocks. Okay. Um, uh, next one is is uh, so this is about 20 acres, a dozen ponds, and and you know we could pump from the lowest pond to the highest pond. We're on the grid. We could have an on the grid pump. Right. Right. And yeah. And and backup solar if we ever got that resilient with all of our systems too. I think what was interesting th- this last spring was. We had a remarkable amount of snow um, this last winter, and this spring we had remarkable runoff on this property like we'd never oh, yeah. seen. And and that really helped us learn how, you know, it's amazing. A lot of people in permaculture say you should observe one year, but... Man, we learned a lot this last spring about where the water flows yeah, go yeah. on the land. And so now, you know, that really got Paul's mind pumping on, okay, well, I want to dig trenches this way, and I want the water to go that way, and I want the pond to be here, and I want, you know, it it really helped make that much more clear. Well, and the next thing is, is that this is a giant rock yeah, building ponds in rock in cracked bedrock is like impossible wow so it will be a challenge yeah and and so i'm kind of thinking like bring it let's do it let's let's take on this challenge without liners yeah and and it's like it will be difficult but i i think we can do it rocks and sand Yeah, there you go. Rocks and sand is what we got to work Uh, with. Yeah. And so let's get to it. Um, uh, I got tons to say about that. But all right, all right. Um, And then I also think that if we have a pond system here, and then there's going to be, and we're adding to it with gray water, and we're adding to it with rainwater, uh, and and things like that. That I, I do like to think that as the as the water moves through the system, it will get cleaner and cleaner and cleaner, the more it goes through the system. So um, I I think that's a, a a large positive perk. That's a big part of what Sep does with his water, and he and yeah, Sep's he, properties are dry, and he adds water to them. And he misses the water from his property for his own personal health when he travels. He just yes. doesn't feel well unless he's got that really clean water. 
All right. Um, uh, this is one. Uh, uh, this next. This next episode. We we made a podcast fairly recently where we talked about how we heated this home with zero point six zero cords of wood in one winter. Yeah. And I'm kind of thinking. Um, I want to do all the things and see if we can get it down to possibly half that. Right. And not through suffering. It'll right. be it'll be luxuriant and we will feel warm and toasty. And um and so I kind of feel like, you know, the the, the things that that we we mentioned before where it's like we'll have an enclosed front porch. Uh, an in- enclosed and insulated front porch. Wouldn't that be lovely? And um, uh, how about um, winter curtains, like proper winter curtains, and maybe even something in addition to that for the windows. I'm not sure what, mm-hmm. but you know we, we'd figure something out. Um, I I like the idea of like let's design some shelves. For where people sit, and so the shelves would go above where people sit, and they would be placed in such a way that there would be ample incandescent light. So, like, on, I'm thinking like on the couch out there. Right. So a lot of people sit on the couch, and so let's make deeper shelves, so that way lights can be mounted underneath those shelves. And and directed to kind of point straight down on top of the heads of the people that would be there because otherwise you don't want the light in their eyes and then if you put the light behind them then it's in somebody else's eyes that might be on their side of the room <laughs> and on top of that if they're like holding something in their hand like like an iPad or something like that then they're looking at the reflection in right it. The so light. the light really has to come down like 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 be at where their forehead is, but it's pointing straight down and missing their forehead. And um, I think that, that that's where all the lights need to be. There needs to be plenty of them. And um, and then on top of that, at their feet, let's put down some dog bed heaters and some thick rugs on top of the dog bed heaters. And then the idea is, is that whenever anybody sits on that couch then they're going to have uh, a thick insulation under their butt and back. It's called a couch. <laughs> and then they're going to have ample heat coming down, radiant heat radiating onto them, onto their head and shoulders and lap. And then at the same time, their feet will be on a warm surface. So this isn't throughout the whole house. This is just where people happen to be. Right. And we'll we'll design stuff for each spot where people spend time. Um, and then it's like when you're not in that spot, then you turn it off. There'll be a switch. Click. The lights go off. And then when you come to that spot, click. You turn the lights on. And then the little dog bed heaters come on as well as the lights. You know, something like that. And so, okay, we'll have a bunch of, you know, so I want to design the shelves. And so... the. Uh, the next thing is is that katatsu. I like the idea of like, can we do some kind of katatsu at the kitchen table? And and so then that would mean that the chairs would have some level of. And I know I'm talking about where people 
spill food and spill drinks and spill, spill, spill. And it and I kind of wondered, like, can we choose a material that's going to wash easily? Um, and maybe there's two levels. There's, like, the katatsu, and then there's something over the katatsu that can be removed and cleaned easily. Um, I'm just making this shit up. It's fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <clears throat> So basically, you know, a place, uh, something warm, when you put your legs under the table, it'll keep your legs warm. Right. Um, uh, possibly shoot for a total house temperature of 60 instead of 70, because we've got all these things that'll keep right, you warm. Right, where you feel more like you're 70 or even 80 if your feet are being warmed like that, your feet and your legs and your head. Yeah. 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 Um, so then, uh, uh, and then the improvements to the rocket mass heater. Uh, which yeah. all these things I think we talked about in the in the previous podcast, right? On how we could reduce um, wood use, even more firewood use. Mm-hmm. Um, a complete overhaul of the pea palace. I mean, uh, you know, uh, plus you know, getting the hot water from the compost. Um, it's like the pea palace is functional. It's only a hundred times more functional than the original pile <laughs> and people were like putting on big boots to walk up onto the pile and then uh, contribute to the pile. Pee on the pile. Right. And um, I, re- I remember when the pile was first built, it had been up there for like a week or two and a woman came into my office and she had a big grin and she was extremely proud that she had contributed. I believe this was yes. our first woman to have ever contributed. Yes. And she was just about to bust being so happy. And now we have a ramp up there. Yeah. And there was the event where there's that class of those seven women, and they all contributed simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the technique was they held onto the rail, and then they kind of hung their butts out. Off the platform. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so the compost pile has... Um, water hoses in it that if the compost heats up enough it can heat hot water for the shower shack which is adjacent to the compost pile and then yeah there's this little platform that we call the pea palace that gets you up above this rather large compost pile so that you can stand on this little platform around it and pee onto it We've had I've I've been involved in no less than 8 hours of discussion about an overhaul of the pea palace and really the whole thing is is that we need somebody to to make an excellent design so you know do something in um sketchup mm. you know and it's like mostly what people do is they want they feel like wh- what is a design is they come and they tell me what to do <laughs> and i point out how those things won't work huh. and then they're like just do it okay don't be a dick just do it and it's like so nothing happens you know and and then there's the whole thing where people want privacy and it's like so they they put something together that fails utterly and is a mess and then somebody's like that is ugly and a mess let me take that down and put up the exact same thing that was there before which i'm going to say was completely different and will become a total mess in a week and we've had that i think we've gone through uh, three iterations of privacy that have all been exactly the same while being the, the second to of course proclaimed that this is nothing like before and will yeah. be great and it just it just used up a bunch of materials 
for a mess. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a little rickety. It's a little DIY looking for sure. Yeah, and it just it needs a full. I mean, we need a an overhaul of design, and then and then of course uh, the first time we had a pile up there, we had scalding hot water as much as you want. And it was good heat from that car. And ever pile. since then, we have never been able to do better than lukewarm. I yeah, I think that first is it is is this the case that the first compost pile had lots of manure and the subsequent ones we've tried to build them without manure? I think we had one. The last one we did this year, this last year, uh, 2017. Um, it had a lot of nitrogens in it. Okay. And it did burn very hot for three days. Okay. But um, I, what I was told is that um, you would get scalding hot water for like a minute and a half, and then it was freezing cold. Yeah, didn't last long enough. So whereas before you could run it for five, ten minutes, and it was scalding hot as long as you wanted it. Hmm. Now of course the first water was was much hotter than the latter water, but I think I think the pile just needs to be bigger, hmm. and it has to have more nitrogen source. But okay, there's a lot to talk about with that. But yeah. let's let's finish getting to the the list here. We're we're getting you know we're getting towards the end. Yeah. Overhaul uh, solar Leviathan and Volkswagen to be easier to use and have tiny inverters. I was just talking to a guy about that a few days ago. The this guy, is on the base camp list, not the lab list. Uh, yeah, well, actually, it should be on general projects because the solar Leviathan and the Volkswagen um, are, are trailers. Are trailers, so they can be moved around. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, what we should put down on the list somewhere uh, is that. Um, the Volkswagen needs some love. Um, but I talked to the guy that, that did the setup for Helen Atow at her right. place, the double inverters, where a little there was a little inverter and a big inverter. And it's like, if you're just going to charge your laptop and run a light, you know, or charge your phone, use the little inverter. Um, and then, and of course, as much as possible, don't use an inverter at all. Right. Which is another thing. These things should all be setups that you don't use an inverter at all. Right. Um, all right. But, and then the thing, uh, back to Helen's place, here's this little 200-watt inverter that's for these little teeny tiny tasks, and then just use that one for the little teeny tiny tasks. And when you're not using those things and use them only temporarily, then turn off the little inverter. But uh, Helen had a blender that she used a lot. And it's like, okay, if you're going to use the blender, turn on the big inverter. And once a day for half an hour, you're going to need to turn on the big inverter in order to be able to, you know, run your refrigerator. And I would even think you might want to do it more often than that. But, okay, you know, that's what she did. And it works this, it worked great. I think she had um, uh, 500 watts of panels. Not that much. Mm-hmm. You know, and she lived luxuriantly on that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And so I was talking to that guy, his name is David, um, about coming out here and doing that to the Volkswagen and the Solar Leviathan. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, put in three sisters on the berm near the classroom. Uh, there's actually also five sisters and seven sisters. It would be great to have, like, all of the sisters there. I hmm. was going to say, they're not just three, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, be yeah. Awesome. Um, 
add this add a system for discrete peeing and so uh what's happened in the past is that of course when we have an event there'll be cars in the parking lot and then a lot of people are just going behind the cars and uh, which is great because then suddenly a lot of greenery started to appear everywhere. Yes. <laughs> nice. And hold the sand down for when the wind blows, which isn't very often. Here the wind rarely blows. That's but when bad. it does, it's like, you know, suddenly it found all... Because it seems like it, there's been a couple of times when we went and uh, worked with the dirt down in Arrakis, and then the wind would blow. Uh. And it's like, oh, that was terrible. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Ceiling in the library. Uh, vastly improved shelves and storage in the library. Yeah. And uh, and of course, when I when my office was out in the library, that's when I kept thinking like, oh, this place is shit. I've just got to. And of course, it always gets put on hold. Last, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Chickens, cats, and dogs. I mean, wouldn't it be great? If you could take your your uh, kitchen scraps and then put them out to the chickens, because wherever you put them, the turkeys appear there like moments later. Yeah. No matter yeah. what you do. And then the chickens destroy. I mean, the turkeys destroy anything that's around it. Yeah. So we've got some feral cats that are hanging out here. Um, there's a black and white one. There's a calico, and every once in a while I see an orange one. And um, and you put out a heated a heated water bowl. Yes, for thanks. the for the cats. Thanks to a gift card from Amazon from Bill Krim. Yeah, thank so, you, Bill. Yeah, so we're uh, I there was a mama feral cat who had kittens last summer. The kittens didn't make it, and then the mama cat didn't make it last winter. So it was a year ago. Uh, oh, yeah. I thought you saw, like, you posted pictures of the mommy cat, like, just a couple months ago. No. That's, that's a, a different, different cat? It's different. Black and white cat. Okay. All right. Different black and white cat. So, yeah, that mama cat did, um, had kittens, not this last summer, but the summer before. The kittens didn't make it. And then the mama cat didn't make it over last winter. She was a much smaller, more white cat than the one I posted pictures okay. of. Okay. All right. So, um... Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping the feral cats. Will, if I put out a water dish and do a few things, maybe that'll help them. And a livestock survive. guardian dog would be great, but of course, a livestock guardian dog needs to know the perimeter. Yeah. And so it's like that needs to kind of come after our uh, living fence on the perimeter. Um, and uh, on top of that, um, I just kind of feel like there's a certain amount of travel that we do. And um, uh, and it's like if you've got community, this can all work. But mm-hmm. the the bottom line is is that I just feel like I mean a, a, a normal couple, each party will work like 40 hours a week, and then they've got time in the evenings and weekends to do their homesteading projects. But we're like you know we're doing like 100 hours a week, and and so there's just there's no time. There's, we, we just have nothing to work with here. And so it's kind of like, if there was a community here, then, you know, um, somebody surely, you know, would move in that direction. So then we would start to have chickens, cats, and dogs. Um, when I lived on Mount Spokane, um, I totally dropped all my online stuff. 
and worked on the farm for months at a time until all the money was gone and I had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't be there. I couldn't. I actually had to go to work, which was hundreds, if not thousands, of miles away. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I could come back like uh, uh, once a month, kind of a thing, uh, to pay for everything. So I'm hoping that we can develop systems so that you know, like with the boot camp program. Um, I mean, it's amazing how people in the boot camp program. It's like they're done with their hours, and they have lots of time. And so maybe then they could care for chickens and dogs and cats. Although I imagine that most people in the boot camp program will be like, yeah, it'll be out of my project time, I'll care for them. But I'm not caring for them on my own time. You know, so, but that would be progress. That would be moving forward. Um, And there might eventually be some residents who will have their own uh, cats, dogs, and chickens. Next item on the list. Heliostat. Do you remember our heliostat? I do because I very have vivid memories of cleaning up all the glass from when it shattered. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, one of the bounties to mount that, and it turns out they didn't do a very good job. And so it came down and visited the ground and broke into pieces. Because, okay, now a heliostat, maybe I should explain what a heliostat yeah. is. Mm-hmm. So, um,. A heliostat is a motorized mirror, and uh, what it's going to do is that you say that spot right there, and so whenever the sun is out, the heliostat will adjust the mirror to make it so that the the sunlight ends up on that spot. Right. So we have uh, a glass door on the library, and we said always shine the light through the glass door. So then it would warm the cement pad in the library um, and add light to right, the library. Right, both. Mm-hmm. And so um, it worked great for maybe a day, maybe <laughs> maybe two days. And then it decided that the door had moved a little bit to the left. And so then it was kind of illuminating the doorknob. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> and then off. it moved further and further to the left with every given day. And and so, damn. It uh, yeah, and and we kept being on the list, on the list for somebody to fix it, and somebody to fix it, and then somebody remounted it, somebody mounted it, and then remounted it, well, and then I think somebody uh, called tech support, mm-hmm. and they said take a video. So then it took like a month and a half until they took the video, and then I don't think anybody ever sent the video in. Oh. And then, and then something happened. Like the uh, the the original mount wasn't tight enough, so then it it slid, slid down. down. That's right. And then somebody rebuilt the mount, and then that's when the whole thing just fell off. Well, there was a bad storm. It was a bad storm. It okay. took it down, but yeah. So the the next mount did not survive the storm, and the whole thing shattered on the rock below. And now they don't sell that heliostat. Hmm. And um. There are heliostat kits. There's always talk of, like, coming soon, three months, there will be a new heliostat and blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, so it's on my list to have a heliostat again. I think that that's a really smart thing. I really yeah. liked having it here. I liked it being part of the tour. Yeah. And at the same time, we don't have it anymore. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more water features. 
and so um, I, I kind of feel like so there's a county road next to this property, paved and everything, and people drive on it. And I kind of feel like I want to get to the point that if a car goes by, I don't hear it. So we've got the berms. We're going to plant a bunch of stuff on the berms. We're going to eventually have the, uh, the living fence. And I kind of feel like when I'm outside and it's warm outside to have a water feature that goes bubble, 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 dribble, 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 dribble. Be nice. And and I like the idea of, like, let's have lots of those. And there's ways to make it so that if we tie it into our greater water system, then, you know, they will always be kept full kind of a thing. And some of them will be more frost-resistant than others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, here's a crazy idea. And and that is as part of this idea of like having things be quiet, like you don't you don't notice a car going by. I have this idea of having a white noise system that's just along the road. Mm. And um, so then, if a car goes by, I think that it's plausible that a white noise system will make it so that there is. Um, like, like it, it might possibly reduce the sound that reaches us by 60%. Wow. And that's what it is. It's all about, like, doing multiple things. Right. Like, the berm has probably reduced the sound by 90% already. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, so if we reduce it, if, it, if, if what I'm suggesting reduces 60%, then maybe that'll take care of 96%. And then if the... Uh, um, uh, Living fence reduces it some more. Maybe we're going to get down to 99%, etc. Okay. Um, berm extension ideas. Oh, I've got so many ideas about some of the places where we've put in berms, and they've shrunk. I mean, they've just settled, is all it is. And and then I, I kind of get this idea of, like, things I might do that'll add more of a hoogly element that will extend the berm up mm-hmm. like three feet. And and uh, so we'll, you know, add... Because I kind of feel like the more berms we add, the taller it gets, there's all kinds of benefits. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it's on the wish list. Um, an outdoor Rumford demonstration site. And, and an outdoor Rumford demonstration site might actually be good up at the Caldera. Oh, yeah. Well, kind of like that classroom at the homestead. I was thinking about um, uh, out here by the... Um, someone started to build a little fire area out here by the rocket mass heater smoker. Oh, right. So that would be a good spot, too. That could be a cool spot also. And um, there's lots of places. I mean, And we're always... It seems like we're always... Doing fire demonstrations for our rocket mass heater workshops. There's the the fire science that Ernie and Erica do. We're often doing that just in Arrakis. So um, having something out in Arrakis would be nice too. Um, next item I got on here is uh, on the shower shack. It originally had four shower stalls. And then we took two of the shower stalls and converted them into a single shower stall. Because what we had were four shower stalls that got the job done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we took two of those. We made a really large and luxuriant shower stall. One half is where you 
put your clothes and where you can sit down and change. And the other half is the shower stall, and there's no curtain. Um, and that was the other thing, too. I didn't like the vinyl curtains. So I have a note on here to convert the last uh, two small shower stalls into one big shower stall. Yeah. I I think another thing that would be cool out there by the shower shack is that uh, people are already doing their laundry out there. And so I think it would be great to make a little bit of a laundry hut. Yeah. It would be very nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd like to get a gray water system set up for uh, the two sinks that are out there and the urine diverter that's out there to go out to the willow trees, the willows and the cottonwoods that are there that are going to be receiving all of that willow candy someday. Right. We just haven't quite gotten those working yet, you know. Yeah. Uh, next item I got on the list is a sink in Willow Wonka. And the last item on the list <laughs> uh, and for, that's base camp, for, for Base Camp is I like the idea of somehow... And now, granted, the building... The the building requirements at base camp are less than the lab. So we can use materials at base camp that we cannot use at the lab. I would like to build a submarine. (laughs) (laughs) So, for world domination, everybody knows you need to have a hollowed-out volcano with good submarine access. Mm -hmm. So, we have a volcano, even though Jocelyn keeps insisting that it's not. (laughs) And I guarantee it's a hollowed-out volcano. (laughs) And it has good submarine access. That's why we have a road called Submarine Access Road. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that on that road somewhere that there needs to be a place that can hold a couple of bunks and somebody can stay in it and somehow it resembles a submarine. Be fun. I think that'd be cool. And I don't know what it would be built out of. I don't know how that would work. I mean, part of me kind of thinks, like, let's get an old propane tank. Yeah, if you had a big enough propane tank that you could build inside of... I'm almost thinking of a grain silo set on its side. <laughs> so, and and then, of course, funny. somebody would probably want to paint it yellow. For mysterious reasons. Uh, yeah, I wonder. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. There's more stuff on this list, but I have to pee. <laughs> right. And I have a webinar I am taking. So I think let's pick this up next week. And maybe we'll flesh out the rest of this list with other things. Right. It was fun to go through what we're dreaming of. Yeah. You know, we tried to make this one more positive than some of some other <laughs> Well, I, well, and and uh, there's one that's very positive that yes. is like a podcast we've got to get out right away, and um, but it's kind of like we want to do it really, really well, so we keep talking about, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do that, and then we'll do this other thing, and then, and then, and then, and it's like it's turning into a bigger and bigger project all the time. And we're busy people. We keep ourselves busy. We're going to make it happen. Awesome. Okay. If you like this sort of thing... Come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about things that I like, (laughs) (laughs) homesteading, and permaculture all All the the time. time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.